From the GW Hatchet, this is Alec Rich, and you're listening to the paper's weekly news podcast, Getting to the Bottom of It. In the late hours of Tuesday, September 15th, the Hatchet Student Life Editor Tiffany Garcia reported that multiple members of the Delta Tau Delta fraternity based in an off-campus house in the district had tested positive for the coronavirus. That, according to a source from the Interfraternity Council who spoke to the Hatchet on the condition of anonymity. The Hatchet's reporting links those positive cases to an off-campus gathering the previous weekend that was not held at the Delta Tau Delta House, but was attended by members of the fraternity. Although the president of Delta Tau Delta did not respond to Hatchet requests for comments, an audio recording obtained by the Hatchet has him telling other fraternity members that, quote, people have gotten tested, people are isolating, and people will get, be getting tested tomorrow if they haven't been tested already. And I, again, I just want to stress this should be a learning experience. We shouldn't be having this large of events, end quote. Now to shift to the larger picture here, many GW students returned to D.C. this semester, just as students across the country returned to their respective schools' neighborhoods. For the record, many other schools allowed students to return to campus itself. GW, of course, only allowed a small number of students to return. And so just as students are continuing to party and gather at other universities across the country, there are still going to be parties and gatherings in Washington off-campus as well, despite the warnings of public health officials. According to GW's testing dashboard, which records the results of those tested within the small on-campus community of around 4,000, there have been 10 total positive cases at nearly 9,500 tests since mid-August. The New York Times, which has kept its own running database of college and university cases across the country, recorded over 88,000 positive cases on college campuses nationwide at over 1,100 different colleges as of September 10th. Washington, D.C.-based schools, including GW, Georgetown, and American University, totaled 111 cases on that same database as of September 10th. So we'll start this episode on the public health side by speaking with Dr. Georges Benjamin, who was on this podcast in the spring to discuss the possibility of a fall campus reopening. Georges has served as the executive director of the American Public Health Association since 2002 and was previously secretary of the Maryland Department of Health. Dr. Benjamin, thanks so much for joining me. Uh, Thank you very much. So it seems that looking at trends across the country on and around college campuses and in the context of the small amount of positive tests in in the off-campus GW fraternity, students are not completely cutting parties and gatherings out of their lives right now. But can you just articulate again why it's so important that students heed health guidelines at this time and, you know, what they can continue to do to stay safe? Yeah, I think I think we want to make sure that students understand that um, they're not immune from the disease. Um, they can get this disease, absolutely. You get this disease from other people. Um, and that large gatherings um, increase that risk. And so wearing a mask, washing your hands, carrying hand sanitizer, and being as physically distanced as you can is extremely important. Um, now, I understand that that's, you know, that's that's kind of tough to do when you're in a kind of a hybrid environment in school where you're, some of them classes are virtual, some of the classes are face-to-face. Um, and then if you live in a conjugate environment off campus, um, you know, the, the, there, are, there are even additional risks that you have to worry about. Mm-hmm. Now, GW, of course, is only holding a small number of students actually on campus and not having in-person classes this semester. Um, the university is doing its own testing for you know a select group of people that are, that are on campus. In terms of regulating those students off campus, you know what do you think a university like GW can do, if anything, besides issuing reminders to those students to abide by the local health guidelines? 
Well, you know, most most um, fraternities and sororities have um, um, some kind of agreement with the school in terms of how they will behave. Um, and I think the school needs to hold those um, those fraternities and sororities accountable uh, to that. They do have an organizational structure. Um, um, I actually lived in a fraternity house when I was in, in college, and you know, we felt very responsible for our for our um, for our brothers. Um, and I think that um, bringing all the, the, the fraternity and sorority leaderships in and giving them um, an understanding of what they need to do and giving them the, the knowledge base so they can share with their um, their members, I think is very important. Um, but I also think that um, the, the university has a responsibility to periodically uh, check in with those uh, schools or have the schools, I mean, the fraternities periodically check in um, with the school um, and let them know how they're doing. Because there is a, an enormous risk of um, huge outbreaks. And, you know, obviously we're all adults and we're responsible for our own behavior. Um, but there is certainly, it's certainly true that some of us are more mature than others. Mm-hmm. And, you know, on that point, you think the, the burden in terms of um, regulation falls or responsibility falls more on the university in terms of its investigation or, and, you know, looking over these off-campus organizations or on the students within them or both? Well, the university has a role there. Um, it depends on what their relationship is. So for example, if that, if that uh, uh, fraternity or sorority house um, or other group housing is on campus, absolutely, uh, because it's part of their campus um, environment. If it's um, a, an entity that is off campus um, and does not have that firm linkage to the university. So, you know, in Chicago, a lot of the fraternities and sororities um, gather their members from many schools, and they're not really formally affiliated in any particular way with those schools. Um, In that situation, um, you can certainly engage them um, in a a collaborative way, Uh, reach out to them, make sure they have the information that they need um, to to help, again, inform their members. So I think this is a whole society activity. Um, schools and you know, universities and colleges are no different than any other part of society. And to the extent that they can work in a collaborative way with um, groups that they know are going to be inputting students into their schools, um, I think that that makes a lot of sense. Remember that, um, th- you know, we're, this is why we're this semester, um, we're obviously in either a all virtual environment or some kind of hybrid environment. Um, you know, next, next semester, we're going to be rethinking what we do. Um, and so whatever we do now is kind of a field test for the kinds of experiences we're going to have when we're probably going to be more together next semester. Mm-hmm. Dr. Benjamin, thanks so much. Now, shifting the perspective on this issue to that of higher education, the next two guests provide some insight into what strategies the university can implement and who shoulders the responsibility for compliance regarding the prevention of cases off campus. First, you'll hear from Lynn Pascarella, you may also remember from our spring podcast on campus reopening. Pascarella is the president of the Association of American Colleges and Universities and the former president of Mount Holyoke College in Massachusetts. Dr. Pascarella, thanks so much for joining me. It's my pleasure. So first, just to start with the situation from last week where there was an off-campus party and several GW students from a fraternity uh, tested positive for COVID-19. Of course, as we know, only a small number of GW students are actually on campus this semester, so the students who attended this party were also based off campus. You know, so what can a university like GW do 
if anything at all, besides issuing reminders to those students to abide by the local health guidelines. Colleges and universities across the country are facing this challenge, and they've implemented a range of tactics, including aggressive education campaigns, having students who are on campus take pledges, and imposing sanctions on those who violate the guidelines regarding mask wearing, social distancing, size of gatherings. Now, I think the best approach to compliance is having a culture in which people are expected to do the right thing, but these cultures don't arise overnight. So how, how do we get to a place where that is commonplace? I, I think it is reinforcing the expectation that people will follow the rules and gendering a, a sense of empathy and, and community um, grounded in the individual and collective responsibilities that are a part of the, the mission and values of specific institutions. Yeah, so I mean, similarly, the university has received complaints about off-campus activity that's you know, contrary to social distancing restrictions. And while the university says it's investigating some of those complaints, it does, do you think the responsibility in terms of keeping the community safe falls more on the students or, or the, the university itself or both given you know, what you've said? Certainly on both. Um, there's been a, a lot of criticism lately of administrators who are blaming the students and uh, taking harsh actions against students, um, saying, well, we sh you should have known better. I mean, what do you expect from individuals this age who are engaged in more risk-taking behaviors and you should have taken precautions and made clear the expectations before uh, having anyone who's uh, living off campus or on campus attending school. Yeah, and that's not just a, a GW specific issue. You know, in, in many ways, it's less of a concern at GW given that most students are not on campus this semester. But how do you think even a small case of you know positive tests like we've seen it around the GW community tracks in terms of what we're seeing nationally across the country in terms of what's occurring? Mm. And nationally, we're seeing burgeoning cases of COVID-19 uh, with more than 2,000 cases or 7% of the student population reported this morning at the University of Wisconsin-Madison testing positive. So universities like North Carolina, Chapel Hill, University of Iowa also had a surge in cases causing a reversal in, in the decision not to go online. So the inability to control cases on college campuses is, is in many instances taking a toll on town-gown relations. And uh, this has certainly been the case at the University of Wisconsin where city officials asked for instruction to be fully online with very few exceptions. They wanted a limit on the number of students living in dormitories um, to those who didn't have safe alternative housing. And for the university to publicly disclose a trigger point at which it would cancel all in-person instruction for the semester in the event of a COVID-19 outbreak. And this didn't happen. And so when there's a surge, uh, as there has been at places like Grand Valley State in Michigan, where one-fifth of the cases in town are linked to students, local, local health officials have begun to impose mandatory remain-in-place orders uh, for all students living in the region and, and are taking other uh, measures that, that are going to curb the behavior. Dr. Pascarella, thanks so much. Lastly, you'll hear from Peter Lake, 
who is the Charles A. Dana Chair and Director of the Center for Excellence in Higher Education Law and Policy at Stetson University in Florida. Like Pascarella, he also expressed support for this idea of a shared responsibility between the university and students themselves when it comes to handling cases, and he warned against just making Greek life the, the main pariah for coronavirus backlash when other groups are also not following guidelines. Peter, thanks so much for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me. So first, I want to preface this question with the fact that GW is not in the same situation as many other universities in, in terms of their being gatherings and parties physically on campus since there aren't many students that are on campus. But even for GW students that are living off campus, you know, Greek life or not, why do you think there is a continued defiance of public health guidelines? Well, I think um, anytime you have a public health challenge, there'll be a certain number of people who predictably are not going to be consistently following guidelines. I don't. I think it seems a little unusual to us because it's such a large public health crisis and it's so visible to so many people, but it's, it's actually pretty common with any public health challenge to have a certain non-conforming percentage. Um, you know, there's still people who don't wear their seatbelts regularly, even though it's an obvious public health good. And um, so that's, that's, I think it is predictable that that would happen. I think some of it too is that, I think there's some confusion about boundaries and, and what the rules are. Um, I think there was a period in particular where even I was having trouble keeping up with CDC guidelines and local rules and regulations, because you've got so many layers of <clears throat> responsibility. You know, you have national guidelines, state guidelines, campus guidelines, and they're changing a lot. Um, and I think there's also a certain amount of compliance fatigue <clears throat> that's going on. I think people, people are people. And, you know, when we're tired and worn down or traumatized by COVID or whatever, it's, well, you know, we don't always tie our shoelaces or um, lock the door properly or turn out all the lights. It's, um, you know, it's, it's part of life. I think some of it may be, I, I, I shudder to use the word political, but I think there may be some rights discourse that's underlying this as well, is people are not used to restrictions on their liberties like this. And American citizens tend to push back anytime there's a significant change in liberties. Um, I remember when drinking and driving was became unlawful in the United States you know, significantly unlawful. And uh, there were a certain number of people that pushed back on that. They felt they had a right to drink and drive. Um, and that has diminished significantly. But um, I think it's part of an American consciousness to react to significant shifts in, in liberties. And, you know, in terms of the enforcement, what do you think the responsibility of a university like GW is in terms of regulating behavior off campus. You know, they're investigating some social distancing complaints and issuing reminders to students, you know, but is, is there a responsibility on the university itself to do more? Or do you think that falls on the students? I, you know, I've always been a big believer in shared responsibility. And I think this situation really illustrates that in a lot of ways because on and off campus is, um, well, geography is somewhat determinative, but because we're flowing in and out of campus and the communities, 
we're so interlocked with the things that are happening across the street or down the highway a little bit that you can't be truly oblivious to what's happening in your greater community and vice versa. I mean, this disease sort of moves across geographic boundaries indiscriminately. Um, And I think a lot of the responsibility that people have, I mean, of course, I think in terms of legal responsibility, I I think we don't really know what's going to come out of this. You know, I think we're going to have a couple of years after COVID that may help define what the legal boundaries are, what the rights of the institutions are, what their responsibilities are, and the same thing for students. And, you know, I'll sort of speculate, but I wouldn't be surprised we'll see something that's familiar right now in higher ed law is a nice um, array of various assignments of rights and responsibilities. Uh, The one thing I want, I hope people are careful of is not to start just sort of tagging certain groups as the bad people and, you know, assigning blame because it's convenient to pick out certain groups. And, you know, I've noticed in the public dialogue that the Greek groups are taking a lot of heat. And, but there are a lot of gatherings that aren't Greek and it isn't, this isn't just a Greek phenomenon. You know, what I'm finding is most effective isn't the assignment of blame or legal responsibility or punishment, but efficacy. Communities where people are taking active ownership of their wellness and the wellness of others are the ones that are benefiting the most. Um, I'm noticing it a lot in professional schools is people want to get through and get their license and they're, they're really paying a lot of attention with their behavior and what their peers are doing. And it reduces the need for institutional intervention. Instead, the institution becomes more of a facilitator of good decision-making. And I, I, I do think in the end that in all public health, if we can get folks to internalize and make wellness for themselves and others a priority, we get the best results. Professor Lakes, thanks so much. When reached for comment on the Delta Tau Delta story, a university spokesperson said that the school communicates frequently with off-campus students and reminds them to abide by DC's COVID-19 guidelines and restrictions. And schools said that it also receives complaints about off-campus activity and that it investigates those complaints accordingly. Getting to the Bottom of It is hosted by Alec Rich and is produced by Gwen Wheeler.